This is Industry Matters, powered by BGM, a post-acute healthcare podcast about community, connections, and belonging. BGM is a member service organization serving durable and home medical equipment providers and manufacturers. BGM also has communities for respiratory, complex rehab, women's health mastectomy, home accessibility, and orthotics and prosthetics. With BGM, you're part of something bigger. Welcome to Industry Matters. In today's episode, BGM's Craig Douglas and Rhonda Burmester talk about the importance of taking action to pass Bill S-1294, which would extend the 7525 blended rate from the CARES Act. Listen as they explain why this is necessary and what you can do to help. Rhonda and Craig, thank you so much for being with us today to talk about uh, the CARES Act and what that all means for our membership. Before we get started, I will have you both introduce yourself. So Rhonda, why don't you start for me? Absolutely. And thanks, Mandy, for having Craig and I on this podcast today as we um, are wanting to push the the a bill that we're trying to get passed, um, and we'll explain more of that in the podcast. But uh, my name is Rhonda Burmaster with VGM, and I'm the Senior Director of Payer Relations and Reimbursement. Been in the VGM um, role since about 2012, I believe I started, so quite some time now. Um, I enjoy working with our members, helping them on the education pieces as far as helping them maybe as simple as trying to figure out an answer from a policy to diving deeper into why claims were denied or an audit happened and providing the education on those different topics. So that's in my wheelhouse. So I do enjoy um, all of those avenues. So thank you. Great. Craig. Yeah. Thanks again for having us, Mandy. My name is Craig Douglas. I'm vice president of payer and member relations for VGM and associates. Uh, This is year 25 with VGM for me. And right now my focus is primarily on helping our members deal with various primarily pay-related issues that come about, but uh, and certainly reimbursement and uh, all of that is a big part of it, and that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. So look forward to the discussion. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for being here and providing your expertise because this is it is a huge topic that um, everybody needs to be aware of. Like, this is important. Like, pay attention. Let's dive right in. What is the 7525 blended rate and when did this all start? Sure, I'll take that one. Um, the 7525 blended rate came about through the passage of the CARES Act, which happened in early 2020. The reason it's referred to as 7525 is that is the blend that they use to calculate what would become a new higher reimbursement rate that was uh, that went into effect in March of 2020. I'll give you an example, uh, a specific product example, if that's okay. Uh, I like it because it's a high utilization product and the numbers are really round and easy for me to do math on. So uh, you look at a CPAP device, the HICPIX code being EO601, you look at the reimbursement that was in place in 2015 was around $100. We're just going to call it $100 for our purposes today. Through a few rounds and iterations of the competitive bidding program, fast forward a few years by you know 2019, 2020, prior to the CARES Act, the reimbursement for that same code went from $100 and ultimately ended up around $40. And we'll call it $40. So the way the 7525 blend works they take 75% of the low 
2020 rate, let's call it, post-competitive bidding rate, the $40. So 75% of $40 plus 25% of what they referred to as the unadjusted fee schedule, which, which is what was in place prior to competitive bidding, uh, the 2015 fee schedule that was $100. So 75% of $40 is $30, and 25% of $100 is $25. Take those two numbers, 30 and 25, add them together, that's the 75-25 blended rate, which ended up being $55 roughly for um, most of the country. Uh, depending on, you know, not everybody has the same exact rate from a dollars and cents perspective, but ballpark, that's what we're talking about. So the rate when the CARES Act passed on that CPAP went from $40 up to $55. Okay. That is quite the math lesson, and I appreciate that. And that. But that is a lot, right? And so there's a lot of moving parts there. And one of the things that we do need to talk about next is, does everybody get that 75-25 blended rate, or who does that impact? Well, I'll jump in here, and it was it's impacting the zip code. It's, so we all know reimbursement is determined by the patient's zip code that's on file with um, Social Security Administration. But CMS has also divided the country up into territories. So we have the competitive bid territories. Those rates are known as single payment amounts, rural areas, so very rural, cornfield type area. Those, And then we have non-rural areas, and that's what the 75-25 blended rate that Craig just described is for the non-rural area. So if you think of non-rural, most of us should know what that looks like because you're getting those rates currently and you had been getting them prior to the pandemic. But I always try to put it in perspective too. Um, if any of you have been to a Heartland conference here in Waterloo, Iowa, we are non-rural territory for CMS. Um, I come from Illinois. If you know where the Fighting Illini are in Champaign, Illinois, that's a non-rural area. So it's not competitive bid. It's not rural. It's the non-rural, non-contiguous um, areas. Those are the ones that are affected by these rates. So that's what we're talking about today. Okay. And then on top of that, there's certain HCPCS codes that mm -hmm. it affects. So we have the non-rural, right? And now mm -hmm. these codes. So which codes does it affect and how? I don't know if Craig's looked this up, but it's pretty much every code that was in those competitive bid categories. So there's a lot of them, So, but it's not all of them. Yeah. So what I would say to that is when you look at competitive bidding and the impact that, that program had on reimbursement for various products, you saw a lot of products, a lot of high utilization products specifically, oxygen, CPAP, the example I used, you saw reimbursement go from $100 to $40. So 60% of the reimbursement was removed through the implementation of that competitive bidding program. Those codes that had that drastic impact through competitive bidding are the ones that you will see the most change with because the 25%, even though it's a smaller percentage in that blended rate, it's of a much higher dollar amount. And that's where you see that change. So when the CARES Act was passed, those products that saw a big change through competitive bidding are the ones where you're going to see the greatest impact um, moving forward through the Im implementation of that CARES Act and ultimately the expiration of that CARES Act whenever that happens. 
and we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah, so basically it's your like respiratory codes, CPAP, oxygen, beds, wheelchairs. It's a lot of HCPCS codes. So if you look at a product that didn't have a drastic change, if it was $100 and it stayed pretty close to $100, even when you do the math, the 75 of one rate and 25 of another, and you add them together, you still end up with the same rate because the rates didn't change that much through competitive bidding. That's You're not going to see much impact there. It's the ones that, that really showed a lot of change through that competitive bidding program over the years. So let's switch gears and talk about the bill really quick and why we need to push to get it passed, that being S1294. So give me an idea of why this is important and why we need to push for it. So the bill that's currently out that we have out there that we're pushing and you hear other industry stakeholders pushing like a home care and other other partners are the, the Senate bill, the 1294 is to push to get this blended rate in the non-rural areas extended until the end of 2024. So we currently have those rates in place through the end of this year. If we do not get this bill passed, the rates will go back to the rates that we know them in 2020, you know, make some adjustments for the, um, the CPIU index, but the, it, but they will end at the end of this year. So the, goal of this bill is to get this extension for another year for our suppliers. And I know we all understand how important that is because the cost of goods have not gone down, right? Everything is still expensive. Um, getting, you know, and your overhead expenses, you know, staffing. So everything is still on the rise. So that's why we need to make sure we get this bill um, passed. I don't know if you have anything you want to add on to that, Craig. Yeah, I would just say when the CARES Act was passed, it was always it was never intended to be a permanent fix. It was it was a direct response to some things that were happening due to the COVID pandemic. They wanted to protect access to durable medical equipment products in, I wish they would have done it everywhere. They didn't. This The competitive bid areas didn't get that relief. It was like Rhonda said earlier, it was just the non-rural, non-competitive bid areas that saw these rate increases, but it was never intended to be a permanent fix. But also, when you look at where rates were prior to COVID and everything that happened to drive cost of goods and other overhead costs upwards during COVID, those aren't going to be gone by the end of the year. They will continue into next year. Competitive bidding program got put on hold. There's a, a, a gap period that's been announced. So the rates, if they revert back to where they were prior to the pandemic, even with those CPIU increases that Rhonda mentioned, uh, there's going to be some access issues. So getting this bill passed, supporting this bill, getting it passed is, uh, is extremely important for our, for our industry. So talk to me about what the impact looks like if it doesn't pass, right? We've been talking about, yes, we know prices have only continued to increase and it's important, but what if it doesn't pass? What does that look like for the industry? Yeah, those rates will revert back to basically what was in place prior to the CARES Act passage. So if you go back to January of 2020 rates, um, it won't go all the way back there because of the CPIU increases that were granted during 2022 and again this year in 2023, you'll have those tacked on to that. So again, 
going back to that CPAP example, it was $40 at the beginning of 2020. The CARES Act came along and increased that to $55. It'll go back to the 40, but then they'll tack on those CPIU increases. So instead of 40, it may be $46, $47, something like that. But providers have been receiving $55. CPAP certainly got more expensive. A couple other factors contributed to that, to that along the way. Um, but to go back to even the 45, 46, $47 threshold, you're talking about uh, products that will see, you know, a, a upwards of 30% decrease in reimbursement if this if this bill does not get passed. Okay, not we don't want that. That's an impact we yeah. don't want to see. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay, so how or does this affect payers outside of traditional Medicare? It certainly can, right, Craig? If they follow. Um, if they're influenced by any of the Medicare fee schedules, especially the non-rule fee schedule, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there are a lot of um, private insurance companies, even some Medicaid's that follow the Medicare fee schedule pretty closely or some percentage of it. Uh, so if your contracts with those payers are in some way, shape or form tied to current year Medicare, when Medicare, if and when Medicare does make that change, ultimately, those other payers will follow suit and you'll see those same types of decreases happen on the reimbursement. And, uh, you know, however you want to look at it on a single patient basis, that CPAP that's reimbursed at, at $55, all said and done after 13 months of rental with Medicare, you're going to end up with about $550 in, in reimbursement if all is collected and now you're going to drop down to 470 uh, you extrapolate that out for every 100 patients it just it's just amplified obviously so um, it is a big deal like we said before uh, it's definitely something we want to support absolutely so we keep talking about the 7525 blended rate from the CARES Act, but I've heard references to other blended rates. So are there other blended rates? And if so, what are the differences between these various kind of blended rates out there? You want to take that one, Rhonda? I'll let you take it. <laughs> right. Yes, there are other blended rates. In fact, there was, there was talk of even even more blended rates. I'll just touch on briefly. There is a what's called a 50-50 blended rate. Um, that is not necessarily COVID related. That was a blended rate that was given to rural areas as identified by CMS. Uh, so that happened back in 2018 prior to COVID. It was not COVID driven. It was, it was access driven or lack of access driven. Uh, the CMS felt like in 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 rural America in rural areas of the country, Medicare beneficiaries were having trouble getting the products they need when they need them. So they implemented that 50/50 blended rate for rural areas specifically. Same math: 50% of what was in place then and 50% of what was in place prior to competitive bidding. Add those two numbers together, you get that 50/50 blended rate. Um, Initially, again, that was a very temporary thing. At least initially, they thought it was going to be temporary. Uh, they implemented it, I think, June 1st of 2018 through an interim final rule. I think they 
intended for that to just last through 2018 until the next iteration of competitive bidding went through and, and adjusted rates to reflect the market a little bit better. That didn't happen. So those 50-50 blended rates have remained the rural reimbursement since 2018 and remain in place today. Those are not scheduled to end. So that's one of the main differences between the 75-25 and the 50-50. The 50-50 for rural areas will remain in place beyond the end of this year. However, the 75-25 blended rates that came about through the CARES Act are scheduled to end on December 31st of this year unless S-1294 is passed. That's okay. a lot, isn't it? <laughs> there, there's more. There's a 90-10 yeah. blend that was talked yeah. about but ultimately never did happen, so I think we'll leave that one alone for now that would have given some relief to the competitive bid areas that didn't didn't receive the relief through the cares act but ultimately right. that bill did not pass so unless that's reintroduced there won't be a 90 10 blended rate right introduced for anybody so yes our goal is to get this bill passed just I, we hear it craig and i hear it and other other folks within bgm but we hear the struggles financially that our suppliers are facing and if this bill doesn't get passed, I'd hate to see what what occurs at you know come January. So that's why we're really pushing for suppliers to to reach out to their congressional members to get this bill signed to get attention to it. This is the eleventh hour. We need to be doing it now. So hopefully we can get that accomplished. So where can our members go to get more information on the bill and what can they be doing to support it? How can they help? What do we need them to do? <laughs> well, you know, I, I did a practice run because, you know, we do such a good job providing a lot of great tools for our members. I'm like, I'm going to send out a letter to my congressional members on this, um, Senator Ernst and Grassley even though they've signed off on it already on this bill. So I went ahead and sent them another letter for a request. <laughs> but we do have on our um, BGM website, on our government page, which the link I know will be included with the show notes here, that when you click on that link, um, there's a, a document or a, it's formatted with all the content that, that a supplier would need regarding the S1294. So all you have to do is plug in your zip code and your congressional members for your area will, will populate and then you can send the letter. You're even able to edit the letter if you prefer to, to personalize it more or whatever you want to do to editing that um, letter. But then once you hit send, it will automatically email to that congressional member. So it's that easy to do that. And if you have a relationship with them, with that congressional member where you're um, you know them personally from um, just working with them, then obviously reach out to them, to their LAs or um, to them directly and have a conversation with them. And emailing them and calling them can also be ways to reach out to them. So it's um, whatever can be done to get their attention. But at minimum, we can provide that link to start that process to know who your congressional members are and how to get that information sent to them. That's right. And it, it honestly takes less than five minutes. You go to mm -hmm. bgmgov.com, click on the take action. It will, you can click on then the reimbursement relief for demi post and you can see the S1294. It, it yep. is quick. A few clicks, yep. type in your zip code and press send and on you go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's that simple. So I did it. Like I said, I did it 
actually today before we recorded this podcast just to make sure it was that easy and it was that easy. So, yeah. Yep. I also have one other thing. I was just going to add one other thing in there is if they want to know more about the history of, of the, of how these blended rates came about, I did pull up the MLN article that CMS develops when they do things like this. Um, and we'll share that in the show notes, but there's an MLN article related to it. So if you like me, I like resources. I know Craig's the same way. He likes resources and we like to read things. So we will share that and you can read through it. And as always, you can reach out to either of us or um, others, your account managers at BGM to discuss this more, but at least you'll have some resources to look at and read. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Anything else that we need to recap or things that you've thought of while we've been talking through everything else that you want to make sure to mention? I think we've covered it all. You know, we just can't say it enough. And you don't see Rhonda talking about trying to get a bill passed too much, even though all of them, the ones that we do are important. I leave that conversation usually up to those folks that are good at it, that are good at and are passionate about talking to congressional members. But this is one I'm really passionate about because I understand the struggles our suppliers are facing. So I hope you really do um, reach out to your congressional members and keep pushing them. Don't be feel like you're bugging them. This is your business we're talking about. So the, we have to do this. And even if it's not necessarily your in your in your area, um, or you're not you're maybe you're in a CBA, still reach out, push to get this bill passed because you could essentially get affected buy some cuts at some point as well. Um, so we all, we all need to stick together during this. So just do your due diligence and let's keep these rates at least for another year. Um, so that's what I had to add. <laughs> good, good. Craig, anything from you? Uh, I'm good. But just echo that. Yeah, make it happen. Reach out to your, <laughs> your Senate folks. Get them to either... You know, sign on to the bill, reach out to senators, uh, either Thune or Stavenow. They're the original uh, sponsors of the bill. Uh, offer to co-sponsor if, if your senator is open to that. Make sure you reach out, though. It's extremely important. Yeah. I'm going to do a question that we haven't previously talked about. What's the timeline? What's the, how long do we have to do this? How many times can they send letters? That kind of thing. It's a great question, and this is where I would have to, I would look at Gallagher, John Gallagher, if he was around, <laughs> because this is right up his alley. Um, you know, we know the rates are set to expire at the end of the year. We know that we're in August right now, and we, yeah. we hear John talk about, you know, August of action. This is the time to talk to your congressional members because they're at home. So now is the time to talk to them while they're at home because they're at what I love to hear him talk about, the state fairs or the barbecues or wherever they go. <laughs> Um, to meet with their constituents. So this is a start in August to reach out to them that way. Um, and then also email them like we told you about in our, on our website with that link that we'll share. In addition to meeting with them or catching them, you know, at an event, emailing them, um, cause it is now's the time to do it. We don't want to wait until November and we're chomping at the bit then and now's the time to do it. So. 
So today, yep. do it today. Yes, I can hear this. Go for it and, and chat, you know, send your letter and, and start the communication. Yeah. So. I don't know if Craig has any, anything to add to it, but I know there's other steps that go into place when you're in the congressional side of things. That's where John's expertise comes into play, but um, <laughs> that's not my wheelhouse. So, but. Not mine either. I'll just uh, say, yeah, there's no no reason to hesitate. I, I do it the sooner the better. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you both again so much for the information. And um, as Rhonda mentioned, the link for the Take Action Now button will be in show notes as well as the resources in case you guys want to geek out with Rhonda and Craig yeah. and read about everything. <laughs> it will all be in there for you. So thank you again for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mandy. Thank you, Mandy. Thank you for listening to Industry Matters. Make sure you never miss an episode by visiting bgm.com slash industry matters podcast or following Industry Matters on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher.